0: Mike, sorry. What? You good? I think so. What did you ask? <laughs> are, are you ready? <laughs> Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> sorry, I'm a little like I'm a little out of it today. I don't know. I don't know what's up. Well, that's okay. This something.
1: will be a fun episode then.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is yeah, yeah, gonna be great. No, I'm I'm in. I'm in. Woo! Yeah. Uh-huh! All right.
2: <clears throat> Five, four. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our second episode in the Listener Request Month for Not Your Father's Movies.
1: I'm Vito. I'm Mike. And I'm Jesse, and we are the Dad Fathers coming at you with some big Duke energy. Ooh, oh, Duke yeah. energy. <laughs> That's a good yeah. one, Jesse. <laughs> I,
2: I wish, and I actually, I, I can't wait to use that more often. Yeah. Maybe future future episodes. Definitely. Um, So just to mention at the top, uh, this is our second episode in our listener request month. Our first one was The Prestige, suggested by Mikhail. And this second one was suggested to us by Madeline, uh, who asked us to either do this or the Cowboys. And we, as a committee, chose this one. And Uh, this one being the the man man who who shot shot Liberty Liberty Valance. We
0: did that perfectly
2: was on time great. Jesse you got in there thank you that's good that's good <laughs> <laughs> so this is from uh 1962 and just to give a little bit of preface on this movie I think this is a fairly famous western uh, but I don't know if it comes up in in maybe top 10 list definitely top 20 lists maybe not top 10
0: you know dude I don't know I feel like I know a lot of people who would say this is one of their favorite westerns although whether it's really a western you can maybe argue about but but I'd say I'd say a lot of people
1: consider this one of their favorites. Well, it's really one of the most standout for John Wayne in a lot of ways, I think. And because it's it's half Western and then half the Western being lost completely. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's
2: much more revisionist in that way than than classical. But it does deal with the same sort of uh, so I I might to to pick the bone that you threw down, Mike. Yeah, I might say that it is for sure a Western because a lot of most great Westerns deal with the passing away of the West, uh, the passing away of, of chaos and the bringing of, of what we would call law and order and civility. And I think this has that very much at its heart. But before we get there...
0: Fair, fair. I,
2: yeah. I, I want to I hear definitely more of what you have to say. Before we get there, though, let, we will start out. This is The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance from 1962. It is the 13th collaboration between John Ford and John Wayne. The Ford-Wayne fourteen is Stagecoach in 1939, The Long Voyage Home, They Were Expendable, Three Godfathers, Ford Apache, She Wore a Yellow Ribbon, Rio Grande, The Quiet Man, The Searchers, The Wings of Eagles, The Horse Soldiers, How the West Was Won, The Man Who Shot Liberty Balance, and finally, Donovan's Reef. Also in John Ford's filmography that I think should be shouted out to sort of hold him up as the legend he is, is uh, How Green Was My Valley and The Grapes of Wrath. From 1941 and 1940, John Ford was nominated four t- uh, six times for a Academy Award, and he won four. Uh, he won Best Director in each of those each of those times. He won for The Quiet Man, How Green Is My Valley, The Grapes of La- Wrath, and The Informer, and was nominated for uh, Best Picture for The Quiet Man and Best Director for Stagecoach. Um, Can I just writers-
1: say I, I really want to watch Grapes of Laugh that sounds like a much better yes. time.
0: <laughs> sounds like a
2: Veggie Tales movie, Jesse.
1: <laughs> Fruity Tales.
2: I, I, I honestly can't even imagine how you'd incorporate laugh in a way that isn't saw-like.
1: Oh,
0: laugh. The grapes of Lath. There we go.
2: <laughs> the grapes are on a laugh. Like... It sounds sticky and, and messy. Yeah. Full of cartoonish laughter, I'm sure. Uh... <laughs> But it's, uh, this movie is written by Dorothy M. Johnson, who is the writer of the original story. Uh, she's also known as the writer of A Man Called Horse. It's a, a fairly influential 1970s Western, and it's, it's several uh, sequels. Also, James Warner Bella, who provided basis material for Ford Apache and Rio Grande. And Willis Goldbeck, who is, as far as I can tell from his filmography, mostly known for writing Freaks from 1932. It's a very fascinating film. This Man Who Shot Liberty Valence stars John Wayne. Jimmy Stewart. I don't think that we need to list credits for these people as we've had
0: in several other things. Never, never heard of him. Who's Jimmy Stewart? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody ever. Uh,
2: I think the reputation stands for themselves, but it also stars a, a very young Lee Marvin who went on to, to greater fame sort of after this. And, uh, then Vera miles and then a little cameo from John Carradine, the, uh, the father of the Carradine Empire. Wow. All the Carradines that you know of all came from that guy. The last one I want to mention as someone that is uh, notable would be William H. Clotier, I believe is how you say it. And in my notes, I simply have down shooter (laughs) of many a John Wayne. (laughs) Uh, He's shot everything from The train Robbers, Big Jake, Real Lobo, Chisholm, uh, The Undefeated, Hellfighters, let's see, Stagecoach, he shot, and McClintock. He shot... John Wayne a lot. The Comancheros, the Alamo. the Alamo, the Horse Soldiers is a lot of John Wayne. But also he did shoot Jimmy Stewart in a couple of his movies, especially, uh, including the uh, the Cheyenne Social Club. There's a lot of Western royalty in this. It's a lot of people that all have worked together for a long time, know each other pretty well, know each other how they work. But it is the first collaboration. And as far as I know, only collaboration between John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart. Two stars at kind of the height of their powers here. Um, This is about as big a deal, I think, historically speaking, as when that one time where DiCaprio and Brad Pitt were in a movie. Oh, yeah. About (laughs) Westerns, sort of. Uh,
0: Exactly. A little bit. Yeah. What was that called? I feel like it Uh, it
2: was. once, Once Upon a Place in Irvine. I think was yeah that's what it is yeah Yeah, a place
1: place beyond the Irvine
2: yeah (laughs) (laughs) a a place around Van Nuys
0: somewhere close to Van
2: Nuys (laughs) (laughs) somewhere close to Van Nuys that's a different movie that actually I would watch that movie yeah I don't know why I picked that one depressing,
1: depressing what Jesse it'd be a movie where like they're not even allowed to go in van nuys they just have to stay on the perimeter the sheriff of van nuys
2: like ran them out of town (laughs) and everyone's like why do you want
1: to come
0: back i don't know (laughs) (laughs) sorry i don't have any special like antipathy for van nuys as a place it just has come up more than once on this episode. we do keep mentioning van nuys is that just because the airport like I don't know. Well, I spent I spent some random amounts of time there when I I would take the train uh, up and down the coast, and so like I'd always get off on the Van Nuys station Mm -hmm. and just be
2: like, "This is Van Nuys," and
0: then get back on the train.
2: Is it because there's nothing else to do? But everyone has to like kind of come into there to get to the rest of Los Angeles. Maybe Maybe. like I I can't wait to get to Van Nuys so I can find some way to fight my way up to Hollywood. (laughs) Like it's gonna it's gonna be an hour in in, in an Uber, but I'll find my way up there. (laughs) I'll find my way there. Yeah. Anyway, California geography aside, it's not interesting to anyone that's not from here. But anyway, that, that's pretty much what I have for this movie. The, this is a storied career. And so we're, we're kind of joking around. We're kind of stepping peripherally around the people in this movie because these are Hollywood titans. These are dad titans. We want to talk about them more and more later and later. You know, we have ideas for episodes involving everyone involving this movie. Um, but this is really our first entryway into it. And for that, Jesse what is it what is this movie about i I think it's about a dude who shot somebody
1: it is about a dude but before i continue i will add a slight disclaimer if you haven't seen this movie this one has one of the original twists and even regardless you should still see this movie before you listen to this podcast so see the movie first anyway what are you doing
2: what are you
0: doing
1: (laughs) yeah it's been around for a little while
2: yeah yeah you've had your entire life (laughs) listener to watch this movie get to it
1: Anyway, to remind those who have seen it, it's about Ransom Stoddard, played by Jimmy Stewart. He goes to a town in a nameless territory in Western America. And on his way there, he's in a stagecoach. He gets beaten by Liberty Valance, played by Lee Marvin. He's basically left for dead. And someone comes and grabs him, brings him into town. And he starts making his name in town there and also is plotting to get his revenge on Liberty Valance, which involves him wanting to throw Liberty Valance in jail because he's an attorney. Um, (laughs) So he spends most of his days looking up laws and trying to convince the uh, cowardly sheriff to go arrest him. But at the same time, there's... Tom Donovan, played by John Wayne, who's constantly going up to Ransom and saying, hey, look, you need a gun. Nothing else is going to work. And they have a few standoffs. Eventually, uh, Ransom punches Tom in the face, and that allows Tom to realize Ransom is actually a man. So this leads to uh, Ransom being elected in town to go um, represent the territory for statehood in Washington. And around that same time, Liberty Valance is back and he's mad as all hell. And he's shooting people. He, he kills a guy, but doesn't actually kill him. And then ransom gets a gun and goes out to face him. Like he kind of drops, he kind of realizes at this point that the law itself is not the thing that's going to take Valance down really, really
0: quick. Just, um, Liberty Valance actually calls him out and says, either you come, you come out tonight at midnight or whenever it is, uh, and face me in a draw
1: or I'm going
0: to, I'm going to drag you out. Right. So, so I I think that's important. You know, he, he doesn't go out to just shoot him. He's not taking the law into his own hands. He's, he's, uh, been provoked. He's been provoked. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. So he. So Liberty, a come back, and he's really mad uh, for, for a few reasons at Ransom, and then, yeah, calls him out, like Mike was saying. So to defend himself, Ransom goes out, and then he's kind of toyed with by Liberty Valance, and right as Liberty Valance is going to kill him, Ransom shoots him out of nowhere. Um, and everybody's yeah. shocked, and Liberty Valance is dead. There's now 20 minutes left of the movie, when this probably should have been the last <laughs> scene in any other Western Uh, But in this movie, what happens is the story continues, and then there's this whole scene where Ransom is going to be elected the delegate to go to Washington, and uh, he gets guilted out of it because he thinks he shot Liberty Balance and doesn't think he's good enough to represent the people and isn't really a law-abiding citizen. He's really just guilt-wrecked. And that's when Tom Donovan comes out and tells him, you didn't shoot Liberty Balance. I did. I was in an alleyway, and I shot him. Just at the same time that you fired your gun, but you missed. And then, fast forward a few years, many years, decades. Ransom is a senator, and he comes back to his hometown to uh, go to Tom Donovan's funeral with the beautiful Hallie. Which I forgot to mention, Hallie is also a central player here, with Tom Donovan and Ransom, like, vying for her love but Hallie at the end chooses Ransom which is why Tom shoots Liberty Valance in the first place it seems and that kind of wraps up the movie the last line of the movie it's uh, it's Ransom and Hallie on a train with Hallie saying I want to come back here because my heart's always been here and uh, Ransom is being given all these things by one of those train people I don't know what you call them but they're basically like a, stu- a steward on, on the train and he comes over he gives them all a bunch of stuff and then he says, nothing is too good for the man who shot Liberty Valance. And that's the end of the movie.
2: So you you, you had a, a
0: thing you wanted to mention real quick, Mike. Oh, there were just a couple of things I want to throw in there, which is to note that the name of the town is Shinbone, which I think is just a, a fantastic name <laughs> for a town. I want to live in the town of Shinbone. That's amazing. Um, and also the, uh, the bad sheriff. Is actually also well known as the voice of Friar Tuck in Robin Hood.
1: Oh, oh, yeah, oh,
0: yeah. 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 Oh, he's also well known for many, many things. Playing this exact same character,
2: he's great. It's kind of like him. it's kind of like in uh, in when we we're doing Twelve Angry Men, we we're talking about uh, Dura number
1: two. Yeah, was the, uh, and it was Piglet. Juror <laughs> yeah, like, number oh, two, that's
0: Piglet. What?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. I was basically doing the same thing, being like, "Oh, it's it's Friar Tuck. Oh, that's Friar yeah. Tuck. <laughs> it's amazing." I think it's a really good summary, and
2: I, I, I'm not even gonna—I I don't even want to fault you for not really including Hallie because while she is a central character in the movie, um, you, you kind of forget about her when she's not on the screen. I don't—I don't. That's not her fault. She's doing a great job. Vera Miles is. It, it it really is kind of more about the writing. The the story is more focused upon these three men facing off against each other in a battle of ideologies. And the passing away of the old west, the introdu- introduction of the new one—you know, Jimmy Stewart being the the harbinger of that—and and by harbinger, I really do mean that. Like, the, it's doom; it spells doom for liberty, and in some way, it kind of spells doom for John Wayne's character uh, because he's he's been working, as they say, north of the picket. Yeah. You know, he he's been profiting off of off of the open range, and statehood would not allow that to happen anymore. It, it would be more settled, divided. Um, organized. And so I, I really like the the three interplays, really the central conflict. And Hallie is kind of an additional um, uh, source of uh, fighting, frustration, intensity, drama.
1: I mean, she's as a character, she's nothing more than than plot, really. She's just there to drive the motivations of the other two on. Like, even when I watched this movie as a kid, I kind of picked up on that. I, I had, didn't even remember her name until now. <laughs> yeah yeah and again i i
2: that's not us. it's it's sort of the way that she's treated in the the structure of the story. but I guess I so theres is something I think we're all kind of champing at at the bit talking. you hit it at it in your summary, Jesse. We do want to talk about these last twenty minutes we I think we all have, have a pretty good strong opinions about it. I want to get them out there, but before we do uh I think we should move into some nostalgia because uh, and I, I'm gonna go first here. The man who shot liberty balance does not factor in for me in terms of nostalgia. I have seen uh, almost almost every major film that John Wayne has been in. I've seen most of the films Jimmy Stewart's been in. I've seen most things that John Ford has made. I, I, I was raised in the American West um, in a very tiny town, very isolated. And John Wayne was, was the thing I could talk to my friends about. We all grew up watching him, and especially him directed by John Ford. And for some reason, the man who shot Liberty Valance was simply not well liked amongst my community, uh, my friends, my family. It wasn't something that anyone talked about or referenced. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with how the easy morality that John Wayne espouses in a lot of his films, the, the way he stands as that symbol, the standard for the American West and American ideology, mas- like macho masculinity. And that's not here. In a similar way, no one would ever really talk about The Searchers. And I never got to watch The Searchers until I was much older, uh, actually away from uh, my my hometown. It's because that's another one that John Ford did with John Wayne that's very much about deconstructing not only American, uh, the American version of idealized manhood, but also how that's been exemplified in John Wayne. So these two movies, I think, walk kind of hand in hand. And I'd love to talk more about that when we talk about The Searchers, but it has to be mentioned here. And so my nostalgia is really more for John Wayne and this era of Western. Than it is for this film. Uh, I, I have to say, my my only com- recollection of watching this movie from start to finish, sitting down to watch it, was uh, earlier this week. Wow, wow. So, um, yeah, I, I really have nothing about this film, but I have a lot about everyone that's in it and made it.
0: That's interesting, Vito. That I mean, like that's all really interesting stuff to to think about and, and things that I don't know if it it really. It's something that I really encountered or, or thought very much about before re rewatching it again this this time. I haven't seen it in, in several years. I ha- don't think I've seen a John Wayne movie in several years, but like I think most people, I definitely grew up on, on John Wayne. Um, one of my favorites was El Dorado, which is the mm-hmm. same thing as Rio Bravo and the same thing as Rio Lobo. So I'm not sure exactly which one I saw, but I think it was El Dorado. It had a good song in it. Love that song. Yeah, that, that is a great song. And they keep quoting the, <laughs> the Edgar Allan Poe yeah, poem in yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, he, he's just a fixture of my life. I've got a picture of him that I take around with me to every every place I, I live and, and now work because my wife doesn't really want it in the house very much. Um, But it's, it's a really cool picture of him just like looking at you and being like, are
2: you man enough? It's great. It's a great picture. A great I, have, picture I have a question to, I have, to, I have, have, I have,
0: to have where I work.
2: I have three facetious <laughs> questions for Mike. Uh, Yes, please. Let's go. Uh, number one. Did you win your wife's heart either through dragging her into the town square and spanking her with a coal shovel, or through shaking her vigorously? Um, I uh, I plead the fifth <laughs> on that one. Second,
1: Patrice's <laughs> question:
2: uh, Do you like to walk into a room covered in dirt and give orders to everyone that's there, ignore all all uh, 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 responses to the contrary, and have everyone just listen to you? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Third, Patrice's question: um, At any point, could you? Either be willing to uh, shake a man's hand or punch him right in the jaw.
0: Yes, at any moment, at every moment, in fact.
2: So be uh, careful, Vito. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. I think there's a given as a very uh, a very ardent student of yeah, John Wayne. Of course, great of answers. Course. Except for pleading the fifth, he would he would punch you for that. Yeah, um. probably.
0: That's probably true. <laughs> um, but uh, but so I I didn't see Man Who Shot Liberty Valance until I was a little bit older. I had been watching the other ones for for years until I until I saw it, and I was I was a little older. Um, and I think that like my my mom or dad had had wanted me to wait because they thought it was weighty enough and a little more complicated maybe than, like you said, the very clear um, masculine American sort of uh, morality that's espoused in a lot of his, his other movies that that's like you said, being deconstructed here. Um, But oh my gosh, when I see him riding in town, like the first shot that you see of John Wayne in this movie, there's just like this feeling of security that I felt just seeing his face that is like it's so weird that that I I still feel that way. It was like
2: oh John Wayne's here, oh
0: that's like great.
2: A, like like a nursing babe at his at his mother's yeah, a
0: little bit, a little bit. It's very close to that. It's close to seeing my mother's face. You know, regret many things. I'm gonna regret many things I say on this podcast tonight, I'm,
2: I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I baited you. I'm sorry, I did. I, I, I knew you would you'd shake it and then you would immediately I, wish you hadn't I, taken a bite. You know, I don't even wish I
0: hadn't. taken a bite. but uh, but yeah, so but this movie too, I so I, I remember watching it and being like, oh, this is cool. But there's a moment like about halfway through it when you realize John Wayne isn't exactly the good guy. Yeah. He's not the bad guy, but he's not exactly the good guy. Um, he's kind of this this weird in between role where he he can go either way, and whichever way he goes, he he's not going to be classically bad or classically good, um, which was interesting. And then and then getting to the standoff point where where Jimmy Stewart, you know, when when he shoots Liberty Valance. That was that was a striking thing to occur because Jimmy Stewart had been set up kind of the whole time as as not not ever being that guy, but then you find out that John Wayne does it, and that just you know blew my mind. It was the first you know major twist I'd ever seen, and it, it was just uh, it, it blew my mind and, and also captured a, a certain sorrow um, in in the Old West that I also hadn't really encountered yet. So it, it was. It was really new. It was a, a big deal to me. I really loved this movie. I loved kind of the the sort of quixotic morality of Jimmy Stewart, but then also combined with the much more practical morality of uh, of John Wayne, and then just the true evil that Lee Marvin brought in with Liberty Valance. So a lot of nostalgia with this movie. Um, it's it's one that I hold uh, dear to my heart. Love, love this movie. What about you, Jesse? What's, what's your, what's your nostalgia?
1: Well, I'm going to be echoing a lot of what you and Vito just said. Uh, I grew up with John Wayne. In fact, uh, I grew up with John Wayne so much that he's not really an actor to me. He is a genre unto himself. Like you (laughs) tell me, you tell me, yeah, I see a John Wayne movie and you're and I'm like, well, (laughs) that's like 50 movies. And I can't even tell you where one starts, another begins. They all blend in. They're all basically the same. John Wayne never varies from playing John Wayne. Yeah. Um, And it's... Yeah, I get that comfort that you're talking about when you first see him on screen. Because I've seen him so much. And like you, Mike, I haven't watched him in years. Because I watched him so much growing up. I just got sick of it. And then I moved on to, you know, (laughs) Spider-Man and all that fun stuff. (laughs) So... Uh, seeing him again, it was it was kind of comforting because if, this is a face that I've known and kind of loved and he's always been so fun to watch and so charismatic that it's so much fun to see him on screen again and to watch this again. And this movie in particular, though, I had a slightly different experience with because unlike the, genre, the John Wayne genre, this movie isn't quite that. It's not quite about John Wayne. Normally when John Wayne's in the movie, the whole movie warps toward him, but it doesn't do that. It warps toward Jimmy Stewart a little bit. And then when John Wayne's on screen, he tries to pull it his way, but it's it's like John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart are in this tug of war, this whole movie. And watching this movie as a little kid, I, I've remembered that till this day. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. And I remember that struggle between Jimmy Stewart and John Wayne and in particular, particular that they hated each other. I didn't quite understand when I was a kid why they why they were at odds. And then, like like Mike was saying, that, that twist that comes where you find out it's John Wayne that pulled the trigger and shot him. It makes so much sense. There was a sense of relief and a sense of I don't know, like Jimmy Stewart is living a lie. There were so many complicated emotions that came up with that twist. Yeah, um, man. And this movie made a super strong impression on me. Like watching it now as an adult to when I was a kid, it's definitely held up to all the hype that I've held it to in my mind. Very nice. Maybe it's kind of going without saying, but we all like this movie, right? Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I like this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then I think maybe as using that as a jumping off point, um, I think that in any movie that does have a twist, this movie doesn't rely on the twist, but I mean, it's called the man who shot Liberty Valance. It's very much that the focus of the film is, is who did this, who brought this order uh, out of this chaos. And so to talk about the twist and then moving into the last section of the film, uh, I, I would like to pause it as I, as I served with Mike off Mike uh, right before uh-huh. we started the episode <laughs> is, um, and as you echoed in your summary, Jesse, uh, the movie really should have ended with the shooting. There, there should have been some way where it was implied that John Wayne was there. The ambiguity could have been there. You know, there, there could have been an argument for decades about who the man who shot Liberty Valance was. And what we get is a very extended. Uh, it's not out of place because we already have a big background in in voting and the, the voice of the people speaking for who wants to lead them. I mean, there was a huge there's a huge scene where they have a vote yeah. and it's a t- it's it's it's, it's jerry rigged by Liberty. And the people don't have that. They won't allow it. Yeah. So then to go forward into the the finalized version of that, where John Carradine is getting up as as Colonel Cassius Starbuckle. Is that his name? Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, my friends, my relations, (laughs) my fellow citizens, (laughs) women. (laughs) and gentlemen. <laughs> so you have this, this there's this additional thing where you, you finally see the cattlemen kind of being presented by, by Langhorn by Buck Langhorn, Right. Yes. It's the guy. And with he, the, with the horse riding in. Yes. And then the, the lasso and they're like, get yeah. that around his neck and drag him out of here. So sure. I, I get why that's there. It makes sense thematically. A lot of the stuff that we saw earlier is being paid off here. And maybe you need that in some way to tie it to the bookend at the beginning of the movie where Jimmy Stewart sits down and is like, let me tell you all a story. But I, I really just felt kind of distracted by it. I really wanted this to be just a straightforward telling of this. And I, I, I felt the impact of the film was lessened by this drawn out ending. And when I look back at a lot of the critic reviews from the time, uh, I was heartened to hear that many people were like, this is a classic movie. And then 20 more minutes happened. Um, it, it, it it nails down the morality really quickly and really easily in a way that the rest of the movie was so gray and shadowy and really subtle about. and then it makes it all really explicit and drags it into the light of day. Um, what, what do you guys think about that?
0: My first memory, my memory of this movie is like I, I don't remember Jimmy Stewart coming like a, as a kid, I don't remember Jimmy Stewart coming to the town as an old and as an old senator <clears throat> and like doing all this stuff and meeting all, all his old friends. I don't remember him telling the story or anything. I just remember from, you know, the moment he rides into town on the stagecoach coach and gets beaten by Liberty Valance to Liberty Valance gets shot. And in my mind, I've got John Wayne. Like I, I see, I, I see uh, Jimmy Stewart shoot Liberty Valance and then cut to John Wayne like slinking off into the shadows, having just shot him. That's my memory of the movie. I don't know if there's like a weird cut out there mm. that 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 did that, but. That's wow. my memory of it. I yeah, have the Jesse, same exact memory. That's crazy. <laughs> that's wild, dude. It's got to be. May, maybe like our parents were just like, no, dude, you, you got to watch it this way.
2: Like, just cut out all this this other stuff. Or, or did you guys watch it on cable first? I watched it on something? TCM. Yeah, maybe maybe,
1: so,
2: maybe yeah. that's maybe that's there. That's
0: probably where I saw it too.
2: Maybe is, is there? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I never it, yeah, in all the I research in the movie, I never saw the hint of an alternate cut. But
1: yeah. well, the thing is, I. It's funny. I that's the way I remembered the movie. But in all reality, when the when the whole thing was going on, they bring up the horse and the horse is dancing on stage and all that. Like it was like, oh, I remembered this, right? Yeah, dude, are you me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! No, when the horse
0: rides in, like. Oh! Like this is one of those things that shows up in my dreams randomly. Like I had no idea what it was from, but there was a horse riding in this very close
1: room with all these people. Huh. Yeah, so so I know there wasn't a weird cut because that happened and I remembered it. <laughs> it's, just, it's just I think we were remembering what was important. It's kind of like when I was just doing the summary and I forgot to mention the fact that Hallie's in the movie because... In terms of plot, in terms of story, she doesn't... She, as a character, doesn't have relevance, but she has relevance only to John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart. As a Um, plot device. As a plot device, right, yeah. Uh, Not as a character. So she's important to mention because of the characters, but not because she herself is one.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, And it's similar to that, like, you're people like that can fade into the back of your mind because you're remembering the important stuff, especially as time goes on. That is how I remember movies. I remember the really striking scenes. And yeah, I, I got to echo what Vito said. From the moment he shoots Liberty Valance and the doctor comes over and proclaims that he's dead, all the way up to when John Wayne reveals he's the one that actually shot him, Like, I was kind of starting to lose it watching this movie. I was like, okay, we got, we got 20 minutes left. I don't know what this is going to be filled with. It started to, yeah, it starts to lose my attention. It's a two hour movie that probably should be an hour 45. Yeah.
2: And the cuts are very obvious. I I do have to say that
0: the increasingly older dad in me was actually very interested in all of the aspects about becoming a territory, becoming a state. (laughs) I was very into like, oh, I was like, I had no idea that this was like, I've been thinking about like, what, how did it work that? That like places became states in the past. Like, how did they the,
2: do the that? The next, the next step for you is Ken Burns documentaries. <laughs> that's that's the very next. Well, I, step. I'm I'm pretty close to that.
1: <laughs> you know, Mike. I think something like that is going on right now. I can't oh, yeah? remember which territory voted to send representatives to to Washington. Right. They they do it all was the time. Puerto Rico. I think it was Puerto Rico. They have standing delegates.
0: I think. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what are we doing? Sorry, We're not, not doing this, I'll tell you
1: that much. <laughs> they do nothing. They yeah. just stand there and they observe. They they don't vote. I guess they just get to live in Washington. Yeah. Well, um,
2: so so I, I'm glad we are agreed there. Uh, something I did want to point out, because, look, uh, as we talked about in our Prestige episode, which is also a movie that does use its women uh, crudely. And by crudely, I don't mean crassly. I simply mean uh, as, as more blunt instruments of... of plot force um to get things moving for two main characters who are uh against each other ideologi- ideologically and uh. so he, eh, 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 <laughs> eh, Jesse says but something a scene i really did like in this though is where you know Jimmy Stewart's washing the dishes and um Vera Miles hallie comes in and she's waiting the tables you know and she's bringing the orders in to the chefs uh who are the owners of the restaurant you know the, these parents these parental figures right um they might actually be her parents yeah, I think they are. Okay. But um but she comes in and then he asks Jimmy Stewart asked her to read this this part out of this book, and she can't do it. And it's like a, a very humiliating moment for her. And everyone in the room is like, "Have ah, Jimmy Stewart, that was a huge faux pas. That you made. He's like, "What?" And then he like he he triples down. He keeps going, "What? You can't read? Oh, everyone can read. Why can't you read? You should just read it. It's easy to read. You can't read? Why <laughs> don't you?" Everybody knows how to read. It <laughs> would be weird if you couldn't read right now. <laughs> Who doesn't know how to read? Only an imbecile <laughs> yes. doesn't know how to read. And and he goes on this thing. And but you see this humiliation. And then they 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 ask him. They, they, the parents tell him like, "Why why would she know how to read? Like it, why would a woman know how to read now?" And then and then he recants everything. He's like, "I'll teach you how to read." And then other people are like, "Yeah, I'd like to learn how to read too." And it's actually like a really sweet scene that mm-hmm. I was one of the few moments in the film where Hallie felt like a like a living, breathing person. You yeah. know, personal humiliation occurred to her, and then the person who did it realized it and kind of tries to run it back and tries to help her gain some honor, some uh, some dignity. You know, through education, and I think that's a really important part of the movie to mention, even though it does. It is kind of come to fruition in those last 20 minutes is this emphasis upon education and statehood, then the bringing of the new West, the passing away of the old, the old way of force and violence and might makes right. And survival. Yeah. Really just survival, right? Well, no, because there's some braggadocio there too. There's survival, but there's also that that pushing your weight around to get Yeah, no, no, for sure. But for someone like Hallie, for
0: her her focus is survival for, mm-hmm. for Liberty Valance for, um, for John Wayne, for Tom, uh, uh Donna Finn, Do- Donna Finn, weirdest name ever. Mm-hmm. Um, like they're, they're, they've got the braggadocia. The men get to have that. Yeah. Um, but for, for most of the
2: people around there, it's just about survival. The forceful men, the, uh, the sod Yeah. Um,
0: the
2: forceful men get to have that braggadocia. The sod and the women don't have that. Mm-hmm. They, they have nothing. You know, and that's that's what's really cool about this this idea of bringing education and civility is the uplifting of those voices, the the real silent majority here. You know, because the cattlemen have been running everything for so long. They bring in the money, they bring in the the reason to have a town, and now finally the town has an identity. And the town, as writ large across the West at that time, the town meets with other towns and creates a state out of a territory, and that's really cool. Yeah. To what you were saying earlier, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think, a... Jesse?
1: Oh, big I inhale. Mean, yeah, it's a big inhale for for not too much of a big thing to say. Basically, yeah, you're you're right. Uh, I love. Well, I guess what I love about the movie is that theme, and then I love the fact that that it's ransom that comes in, and he's he's just such the opposite of John Wayne in so many ways, except. For when he decides to punch him, right? That's when he shows that, like, I can play your game and knock you flat on your back. Yeah. Um, Besides that, he's just a guy who reads and he starts a little school. And he's just the, the learned man. He's the man who wants to somehow trap Liberty Balance in jail. And that's such a naive goal. But it's so it's at the end of the day. It's good because he doesn't want to kill him. He doesn't want violence to be spreading everywhere, and he's no regardless of whatever happens around him. Even when Liberty Valance is shooting him, uh, Ransom continues to walk forward just unfazed, unfazed by everything that's going on in the town. Everybody that comes up against him, unfazed by Tom Donovan. Yeah, I I really like the dynamic. I I love how we see this naive guy. Transformed to something John Wayne like, but never become him. Yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe the easy
2: comparison would be between uh, false masculinity and true masculinity, like one that that gets its way through force and might, and one that gets its way through intelligence and steadfastness. I mean, we talked about this in in A Man for All Seasons. We talked about the how how steadfast Thomas More was and everything that he did, but also how that steadfastness kind of comes with this with this cleverness. You know, if you're not going to, if you're not going to play by the bully's rules, you've got to come up with your own set. You've got to figure out how you're going to beat him, but it can't be his game you beat him at. Yeah. You you have to show that you're so far above him and can beat him in every other way possible. And what's funny about this movie is that, and also about a man for all seasons, right? Is they do have intellectual victories, but not, pers- not, not true victories over yeah. the aggressor, right? Mm-hmm. Right. They both get beat, kind of they do. I mean, Thomas Moore definitely gets beaten and, and Jimmy Stewart technically is beaten. Yeah. Um, as we said, like he misses, we're led to believe he misses the shot. Yeah, They don't find two bullets in yeah. Liberty balance. He's shooting with his left hand. Yeah, He can't even shoot with his right, let alone
0: his
1: left. And he's I mean, bleeding. He's bleeding yeah. like, profusely and yeah. is
2: scared shitless.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then even the last scene, it's, it's kind of sad. Like he has a sad look on his face because what he's told is nothing's too good for the man who shot Liberty balance. And he's not that guy. He's living a lie. He's living John Wayne's legacy. Yeah.
2: The best that he could do was make sure that his friend was buried in his belt and his boots in a pine box and his wife puts a cactus rose on it. Yeah. This is the best he could do for that man. Can
0: can we talk about that a little bit?
2: I Love think, to. I think that that's
0: that's a really interesting <clears throat> um really interesting thing. The way that Tom Donovan dies kind of his life, his life at, we know what happens to Jimmy Stewart after um or ransom Stoddard after all of this is over. He goes on and has a storied career in in the legislature in Washington um as a representative he's he's the man who shot Liberty Valance, Built his career off of it. and he's great, but and then and then he went to Washington, yeah, yeah. Mr. Smith, he yeah yeah he, he was Mr Smith <laughs> going to Washington. I mean Jimmy Stewart is Jimmy Stewart in this movie almost. Almost,
2: almost. It's, it's almost Hitchcockian,
0: but yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 very twisted. Like he, th- this movie kind of twists both of these characters. That like their standard roles puts them against each other and makes them twist uh, yeah. a little, a little wizened. Um, <laughs> but John Wayne, we don't see anything about what happens to D- Tom Donovan afterwards, other than to find out he's died alone. He never rebuilt his home that he set on fire after yeah. he killed Liberty Valance because he and lost his girl. The, he not only lost his girl, but he gave her away yeah. to the better man, Yeah, to the better man, which is, I mean like, Oh my gosh, dude, that was something that just like, Oh, I jumped out and he was like, that's so cool. What a man. Yeah. When I was, you know, 10. Yeah. Um, yeah, now because
1: it's, it's a lot sadder because real quick, the whole, yeah. the whole time it's like, it's Hallie choosing, uh, ransom and Tom And Tom has built a whole section of house for her to come live in because he's going to ask her to marry him. And then he sees that Hallie loves Ransom. And so there's that moment where he could have just let Ransom die. And instead, he shoots Liberty Valance, right? So that was an act of choice from Tom to let Ransom and Hallie be happy together. He gave up everything. Everything.
0: And there's so, it's not, it's, it, it's this multi, he, he it's a multiplied sort of giving up because he gives up his love, this very personal thing, but he also gives up his way of life and he knows he's doing that. Yep. The state, he's the recognized. State is coming. The state is coming. He's, he, he's recognized because there's, there's the moment where he says like, I don't know. I, I kind of like dealing with the ranchers. I get money. I, I'm a big man yeah. because of the fact that they deal with me. Yeah. And therefore they're against statehood. Why would I be for it? And then he realizes that, that Jimmy Stewart is right. He's a man of principle. And so he gives up all of that and he dies alone, a beggar. Yeah. All he's got is, are his boots and his spurs and his gun. Well,
2: no, he doesn't. As they say, he asks, why, why doesn't he have his gun belt? Oh, and he says, yeah. he hasn't worn a gun in years. That's right. He, he That's gave right. up, he gave up like, if, if we're going to use crude metaphors here as Westerns usually do, yeah. but he gave up that, that symbol of manhood. Yeah. The, yeah. the gun um, that right. could get you anything you wanted. Right. And I mean, think about this, too. Like, just as you were talking, I was thinking and even when I was watching the movie, I, I was going over, you know, he's not only an important man, he's quite a wealthy man. Yeah. Because if you look, he's employing like three people to do this house for him while he goes and works. Yeah. You know, he comes back and he's really pissed at his buddy. Because he's like, there's there's no doors up, there's no windows up, there's no... Sta- what have you been doing while I've been gone? I am your employer, go do your job. Three weeks, you can hang some damn windows. Yes, <laughs> get the windows in, get out of here now. Yeah. We're done with this stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, to lose his status as a wealthy man, lose his status in the community, lose his love, and also lose his identity as a gunslinger, as a, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, a, a kind of a true capitalist in yeah. a way. And the most dangerous
0: man in And the town. most dangerous man. That Liberty, Liberty won't even cross. That Liberty's afraid of. Yeah.
1: yeah. And further, like, he's an important man. Like, when he walks into... No matter where he walks into uh, in the middle of the movie, everybody knows who he is. But then, at the very beginning of the movie, when Jimmy Stewart first comes, and he says, I'm here for a funeral. Uh, I'm here for a funeral. And they ask who dies. He says, Tom Donovan. Everybody says, who's he? Yeah. yeah. No one knows who this guy is anymore. He's yeah. completely faded. The whole town that that Tom Donovan helped build up and protect is completely moved past him and forgotten him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's also
2: so looking at this as because um, I think we're dancing around this idea, but I think to call it out real quickly, there there is a rivalry here. It's a rivalry not only of ideologies, it's a rivalry of of culture. It's a rivalry of history, the old and the new, the, the passing away of the old to bring forth the new and these lost legends that go and so when uh the newspaper man at the end of jimmy stewart's story says you know uh, legends become fact print the legends yeah um that's because john wayne's the fact and he's the true legend in the mind of everyone who will ever remember him but he's not who history will remember and yeah. he fades away just just like just like shane like it, it, alan ladd riding off into the sunset like just like every wonderful western the cowboy does not have a place in modern times and he never has. And that's, what's so beautiful about the Western genre. That's why like, this is, this is so it's an anti-Western, but also it's in a Western in its bones is because every Western ends with a goodbye, a goodbye to something, a goodbye, a passing away of order and a welcoming in of a new. Yeah. And either that's viewed as a good thing or it's viewed as a tragedy. And here it's both. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's
1: it's stellar. And I, I think you're mostly right, Vito, but I do want to maybe little add on to that and say that the legends used to be more people like Billy the Kid, right? There were storied cowboys that would ride in town, then people would talk about it for years. And this time, this time the legend is not a cowboy who comes in and leaves. It's Ransom. Ransom the senator who has come. He's the new kind of legend that belongs in the West now.
2: Yeah, that's neat. I, I think, I think yeah. all you're doing is adding emphasis to, to what I said. I, I really like that emphasis.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's that flip. It's that flip of, of the normal cowboy story where like, the cowboy who rides off into the sunset remains the legend, the guy who built the town or saved the town from whatever. But here, the guy who actually saved the town has, has faded into, into the mists. He's like that old, the old bum who, who sits on the street. No one knows who he is.
1: He's not the right. guy that built the town. He's the guy who built the whole state. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And that, that's what I mean when when legend, when legend becomes fact print, the legend is because the fact is that Tom Donovan's the hero. Yeah. The legend is that Jimmy Stewart's the hero. And these facts of these, these cowboys, uh, they fade. And so in like like we're saying, um other other Westerns valorize the legend, and the legend is the cowboy who leaves. This one, it valorizes the law that came to stay. Yeah. yeah. And the fact is the cowboy who leaves. And that's really interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, and then I, I also want to, want to note that train ride. I, I think, I do think that that train scene is extremely important for finally getting the full twist of this story that, that John, that John Ford's doing the, the, the true sort of weird thing he's doing here is that, I don't know. I kind of feel like Vera is almost the um, Vera Miles. Yeah, Vera Miles, Hallie, Hallie. Um, Vera Miles is the actress who plays Hallie. She almost embodies the West in a way. And uh, what we've got is is John Wayne being her uh, her love to begin with. Like she's in love with him for sure until Jimmy Stewart shows up, order shows up. And uh, then Jimmy Stewart with his order and his education, you know, he, he, uh, he wins her heart as, as he probably well should. Um, But when they're riding away in the train, she says, I want to come back. I want to come back to this place where I began to the cactus rose where like, that's an important scene too, because, you know, he has uh, Pompey, John Wayne has Pompey bringing the cactus rose and uh, Jimmy Stewart says, have you ever seen a real rose? Yeah. And he's, he's building up all these dreams of, of, of things. And it's a little weird um <laughs> Is it? Is it weird? It's. It's not. I, 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 I don't like, know. We're, yeah, I, you're I, right. Weird is the wrong is the wrong word. Creepy. Did well, that's say? what I was, I was wondering if you were saying. No, I don't mean creepy. It's. Um, it's like. I don't know. I, just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that move. I don't like that move. <laughs> yeah, he's coming off a little strong. Like, have you seen a real rose? Actually, I, 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 I don't know. I, kind of, I yeah. kind of thought
2: that was really sweet though yeah. because he's 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 showing her and you know she's she's from a small town, she can't read or write. She she could be called ignorant mm-hmm. uh, and it wouldn't be insulting and she might even say so and she might even be proud of that fact that she knows her town and that's about it. But it's clear she she has some deeply buried aspirations to be a little bit more than that. Yeah. Just how quickly she wants to learn how to read and write. And and I think that that is actually showing Jimmy Stewart's like kind of true character when he wants to show her something that no one else has or thought to show her. Just like with the reading and the writing, the rose seems to exemplify himself. I am something new. You were used to the cactus rose, this sort of like rough and beautiful thing, but this is the refined thing. This is, this is, this is something more, something different.
0: Right. Well,
2: that's really beautiful
1: um yeah <laughs> and, and also um I, I get what what mike is saying though it it does kind of seem a little strong uh the way jimmy stewart is saying this but but jimmy stewart is also maybe the only actor i know who could pull that off and seem really sweet when he's like <laughs> actually trying to uh, basically try and hit on a girl like that as strong as he is and I just, I'm, the, not
0: even, I'm not even. i reading the scene that way. <laughs> I, I guess to me, it it felt like he was belittling her, and also this other guy who's clearly got this long relationship with him. Who I have a personal like, like yeah, John Wayne's my dude. Like don't <laughs> d- don't get in the way with uh, of my dude and this chick. You know, like he's my dude. He's my guy. Like this is his girl. You know. I don't know that that that's what it, what it awakened in Those me. Those are me. Three but, but what radically. you say there. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I I I mean this this goes back to nostalgia. Yeah, you know yeah, mean? a you have it, you have bit, Yeah, it, and this is actually I think what's really interesting about this movie and about the searchers, um, mm-hmm. these two specifically, is how John Ford, the man who made John Wayne, John Wayne, yeah, and not I think his name is Marion Russell, um, yeah, that's right, <laughs> who yeah. changed this like young kind of gawky but beautiful man, very young man, into this kind of weathered. Um, symbol of America in a lot of yeah. ways. And so because he brought him there, he made him that it's up to him to deconstruct that image. Yeah. And there's a lot of stories in the background of this movie about like what a jerk John Ford was to John Wayne and how it, he singled him out for constant criticism and, and belittling. And I, I don't agree with, with anyone in a creative process or otherwise doing that to someone to get a response. But for someone whose ego was as large as his fame And to try and deconstruct that in a big way, I think it worked here. What do you think, Jesse? Yeah,
1: Yeah, uh, I was reading about that, too. Apparently, John Ford was habitually just a giant asshole. Especially to John Wayne throughout his whole career. And partially because, apparently, John Wayne just worshipped John Ford like none other. He gave him
2: everything. He gave him everything. Without John mm -hmm. Ford, there's no John Wayne.
1: Period. Yeah. Yeah. And, And he... John Ford didn't just make John Wayne. He kind like by that. I mean, he didn't just make John Wayne an actor. John Ford made John Wayne, the image of John Wayne that we have like um, for their first movie Stagecoach. Yes. He was making fun of the way John Wayne was walking and talking, literally uh, calling him too effeminate, basically trying to make him more of a macho man. So, Like he has actually created the image of the machoest macho man I've ever seen before. And in this movie, he's tearing him down. And I think that's really interesting because the more I was reading about Ford. So he put on this really rough, grisly, macho man image. And he made John Wayne that guy. It seems, uh, this is my own speculation. This is not fact. Like an avatar? it's, It's... Basically, it looks like he's projecting himself to John Wayne and that might be why he hates him so much. John Ford strikes me as just really confused about masculinity in general and how to really capture it. And I think he he also comes across as a guy who possibly hated the fact that he was artistic. Yeah. <laughs> because hmm. man, this guy is a seriously amazing director. Uh this movie is him taking that image of John Wayne and dragging it through the mud. And by the way, this is the last Western they do together and second to last movie they do together. So this is like his last goodbye to this image of, of the John Wayne cowboy that he has created his entire career almost. And then, and then replacing it with, with this new man, this Jimmy Stewart guy who wears an apron. And I thought that was really strange and weird when I thought about it, but also I couldn't help that maybe John Ford is getting a healthier view of what it means to be a man. Like <laughs> you don't have to be this rough and tough macho man all the time to still call yourself a man. They, and well, they, they lean into it. Sorry, sorry, Mike, go ahead. Yeah.
0: I, okay. I, I just want to say, I I kind of take issue with, with us saying that, that John Ford is totally dragging John Wayne through the mud here. I mean, like, he's definitely saying like, Hey, all of this, this macho man stuff. Isn't, you know, all that and bag of chips, but, he does have him end up being the hero of this story, right? Who who kills off um, the? well, I, I, I guess you could say that the man who, that that Liberty Valance is like the sort of epitome of the the macho man who comes into town and makes everyone does exactly mm-hmm. what he wants. But he has John Wayne be that guy, right? Like he doesn't have Jimmy Stewart. In a certain way, it's almost like he's saying. Um, for us to move past this um, sort of the epoch of America, the, the rugged individualist who has uh, um, questionable intentions and motivations, but is yet uh, still a moral figure in the end, um, for us to move past him into the truly moral guy, we need him. We need him to get his hands dirty in order to become you know, who we are, the law, law-abiding citizens.
1: Yeah. Mike, you're, you're right. And uh, if I was saying he's dragging him through the mud, I don't really mean to say he's dragging John Wayne through the mud. Um, okay. I really just meant to say basically that, like he is a nest, he's a necessary tool that has to pass away now. Okay. He got us where we need to go. Now he's gone. Now the real man is in place. Gotcha. gotcha. I, 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 like
2: that, but I also, I also just want to just, just break down some images real, real fast. Um, so, When we see the shot of Jimmy Stewart there, he walks up in the apron, okay? He's already been made fun of for waiting tables. They all say, waiting tables, isn't that a women's job? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and everyone laughs, and it's like really funny, right? Um, (laughs) But then he comes out in the apron. He's like, I'm going to do it. You know, he leaves his place of work to go do his civic duty because that's who he is, right? Like if you're a civil servant, a lot of times you have other things that you're doing to make money, and you try and do this stuff in your spare time. This is something he's doing in his spare time. I'm going to go try and rid the town of the evil because no one will do it, including the archetype of the American West, who will not act unless he's messed with. And Liberty Valance is too scared of him to mess with him, so right? Uh, there, granted, the the masculinity okay. stands. But he walks out. He knows he's not a good shot. And he does everything he can. And the fact that John Wayne shoots him from the shadows, I think is, is really telling. You're saying that, you know, we need him to get past this. I would proffer something i I have two points here but the first is if jimmy stewart dies that night and the town is behind him and we have this this reach of statehood are they so close to the realization of the civilized west that his death spurs the townsfolk into seeking this anyway or is his death the death knell of this territory moving into statehood i think i mean
0: I don't know. I, I think within the confines of the movie, not looking at probably reality, the movie sets it up as Jimmy Stewart is basically the last bastion against um, the, the cattle farmers taking over and preventing the state from becoming a, a, a territory. If he dies, Liberty Valance goes to the, um, or this territory from becoming a state. If Jimmy Stewart dies, then Liberty Valance goes as the delegate to the convention and votes against statehood. Um, so statehood does not occur and it'll be several years. Yeah, it is. No, Dudley would go because he's, he's the other guy Dudley, the The newspaper man, but he's uh, Liberty Valance thinks he's dead, but he's not dead. He's not dead. He'll go back and kill him. He will kill this guy, but they removed him.
2: I mean, now, now we're getting into a little bit more, but like, just in terms of how this, this would go in terms of naming delegates, but like, yeah, yeah. Like he would actually be the next person in line to go do that. And Liberty Valance well, no, does not have the vote of the town. The idea, I, I don't know. I think that the way it's, I, to me, I think that the way
0: it's constructed is that you've got Jimmy Stewart and Dudley who, or Liberty Valance, and Jimmy Stewart and Dudley take being taken out of commission the way that Dudley is and Jimmy Stewart almost is, um, what, what that means is that Liberty Valance goes and that the, the, the town doesn't become, or the, the territory doesn't become a state and the robber barons take it all. I think I, it's a really pessimistic view. I,
2: I don't, I don't know if that, if that would, I'm not saying that would necessarily what, what do you think, occur, Jesse? but
1: yeah, I'm with Mike. I think it's either Liberty Valance goes or Dudley goes, gets super wasted and then can't vote because he's the easiest guy in the world to trick. You just need to give him a shot of whiskey. Yeah. But the shot of whiskey actually like makes him talk more <laughs> as, as they show in the final scene
2: with the delegates. He takes a giant glug from that flask before he goes to town. And he talks a bunch. Yeah. And great. And that
0: better. Great and shouts job. down the other guy. Yeah. We need to talk about that guy, by the way. I mean, that guy's a huge actor. Um, Edmund O something. Edmund O'Brien. He did a great job. I forgot completely about him in this movie. Um, but he has a ton of scenes. Like this I I, I love the scene where he's reciting like the Crispin's Day speech before he goes into yeah. the newspaper office. <laughs> yeah. And like uh like that whole scene is so cool. He recites the Crispin's Day speech and is, you know, oh blah blah blah. And then it's all dark and then he turns on the light. And all of a sudden, Liberty Valance and his henchmen are there. Lee Van Cleef and the other guy. Yeah. Like, that was so cool. That was such a cool scene.
2: But yeah, I mean, that guy did a great job. No, it's, it's a really cool role. And that's... I I don't want to stick to my guns too much here. But I, I got faith in that guy. I got faith in the guy that, that gets drunk and just wants to tear people down. Oh. Especially a newspaper man. Those guys are vindictive.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. But I don't know. I think... I, I think maybe we'll have to agree to disagree. I think I think the confines of the movie make it set it up this way. We've got this strict dichotomy. I think in reality there's obviously not things are moving in yeah. this in this direction, but
1: Well to uh, talk about the character and and the point you guys were talking about, isn't it ransom that actually changes Dudley to make him print he kind of convinced them to print important stories in the newspaper rather than being silent about them. He's so, no,
2: no, no, that's not what happens. He already has yeah. the, the paper written out. And he just recognizes that it's great news and well written. It's already oh, the, 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 it the print sheet is already there. It just hasn't gone to print yet. Yeah. Okay.
0: And it's just nobody can read it too.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like
0: I mean, yeah. that's the thing.
1: Yeah, I was I was wondering that. Like, who on earth is reading his newspaper besides John Wayne? Who's the only other person I know in that town that can actually read?
2: And that guy disagrees with him.
0: Also, Liberty Valance.
1: <laughs> yeah. Liberty That's true. Valance
2: can read too. That's true.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Um, I have no yeah, idea what <laughs> that
1: means. That seems to I be symbolic,
2: and I have no idea. <laughs> well, the the second the second point that I had that I wanted to make is when we're talking about you need uh, this guy in the shadows to do this. It kind of sounds like you're saying, you know, you need him. On the wall, you need him to call the code red. That's kind of what you're saying, Mike. Maybe, maybe. Just like Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Men. You need him on that wall. (laughs) You are villains, you two. Both of you. Boom. Roasted. You sided with Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Men. You didn't even know it. I mean, he has a few good points. <laughs> that was obviously incredibly facetious. I just wanted that moment where I could pull that rug out. Because the, the way you were talking about it was so eerily similar. Oh, awesome. And I was like, oh, I really want to do this. But anyway. well, no, but
0: I mean, like, that's an, that that's, I think that that's a pretty true story that you needed these, like, these guys, this martial law sort of world where people, like, took the law into their own hands and did this stuff. No disagreement. Um, In order to get to, to where we were. I mean, that's. That's how the West was won, right? Yeah, I think that was the title of a John Ford
2: movie. (laughs) Um,
0: Maybe. No, no, there's there's no
2: real disagreement here. I just, um, there's moments in this podcast where I am like, I find myself weirdly cynical about something. And you guys are both like, what? Why Mm -hmm. do you think that? Why would you believe that of your fellow man? Yeah. And other moments where I'm weirdly optimistic and you guys are both like, no, (laughs) that wouldn't happen. (laughs) Uh, this this might even play out in terms of a recent presidential election, wherein I owe Jesse a six pack of beer. <laughs> <laughs> maybe my optimism has no grounding in reality. Um, uh, I will not or say, pessimism. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I have. It's something. It, it, it Your
0: can't... realism is a different realism from reality. Maybe that's terrible. <laughs> that's one of the meanest things anyone's ever said to me.
2: But getting it's also getting meaningless. But getting back to this though. Um, I think, I I think that's that's what I had to talk about the man who shot Liberty Valance, and I think that it, for me in closing, talking about the meat of the movie, unless you guys have something you're going to bring up that will yeah. get me back into it, um, I have a lot more to say about this in terms of the western genre, but I think I want to save some of that as we as we go forward, we talk about westerns some more uh, in terms of the Searchers or in terms of Unforgiven, things like this that I think this movie rhymes with very well. Um, but I I I. I We either sit here for an hour and 15 minutes or hour, 20 minutes or an hour, or we sit here for four hours.
0: (laughs) I I just want to say one thing. I I feel like, well, I'd like to say just a little bit more about, about my impressions of Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, please. Um, Coming at this, you know, as a 30 year old rather than a 10 year old, um, he's, he's not happy. Like he's not, he's, he's gotten everything that anyone could ever want. You'd sort of imagine But like that scene on the train when they're coming back, like his wife is kind of like, I don't know if I made the right choice. She doesn't really like him very much. Yeah. She's not saying I didn't make the right choice, but she's saying, I don't know if I made the right choice. So I kind of feel like, like the presentation of Jimmy Stewart as, as like, Oh, you know, this is the the best thing to happen. I don't think John Ford's quite saying that. I don't think so. Um, And I think that that's kind of how we we've cast it so far. I, I'm going to, I'm going to put that out there and say like, he's not really that happy. The West embodied by Hallie isn't super like sold on him. It's kind of missing John Wayne. Do you guys, with that in mind, do you guys still think that, I don't know what, what we were saying before?
1: So at this point, we've probably talked about this subject a lot in La La Land, uh, but we haven't yet, because we haven't recorded that. Uh, inception.
0: Ooh. <laughs> um, have we done that one yet? Are we just dreaming it? Is this all a dream? Or is it a top spinning eternally? Uh, Who knows?
1: <laughs> or have we done it and just forgot it, and this is all playing backwards?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I got know. tattoos all over my body. I don't know what's going on. I, I can't. I can't wait until we do the Inception pod. But we're all sixteen. That'll be I mean, awesome. That'll be awesome. Yeah. And the fourth dimension might or might not be
2: Inception. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'm pulling us out, out of out of out of Nolan's butt crack here. I'm this back over.
1: Uh,
0: Jesse, you were saying something really intelligent. Yeah, it was pretty good. I don't
1: know. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. La La so, right. So it kind of reminds me of the of the La La Land ending, right? Where she might actually have a good life, but is still just nostalgic for what she had and what she could have had. Similarly, as part of the audience, right? Like um, when you watch a Western, you watch a Western because you are romanticizing that time period and the things that and events that took place. And the people and the kinds of people that were there, and I think she's doing the same thing. She's doing what the audience wants to do, which is say, "Oh, they've all moved on from the West. That's great, I guess." But I'm gonna kind of miss that. So yeah, I, I don't. I don't think that like Jimmy Stewart's life is miserable at the end. I just think no, no, yeah. I think everybody recognizes that's better, but isn't that sad, right? And again, going back to what I was saying about John film, uh, John Ford kind of making a, a personal statement about this, about this type of masculinity, maybe, I don't know, maybe he was having some personal issues and decided to bury this part of the masculinity that he was having and was sad about it. Yeah, or even even just not even to read so
2: closely into himself, you know, but he was an older man and he'd made his bones off western. He has 141 credits in the IMDb. He would put that's out wild. like like 7 to 15 shorts a year in the early 20s. Um most as he, he put them out as as Jack Ford. And oh yeah, they were just right. short westerns. And yeah. they would be starring a lot of people, but like he made his bones off westerns. He made his mm-hmm. money, his fortune, his fame, his glory, his style off shooting the American West and the people that populate it. And this is a, this is a goodbye, you know, yeah. in, in a very real sense. And it's, it, it's fitting that a man of, of older age, looking back upon his life and his career would look at it with a mixture of pessimism, optimism, uh, joy, and sadness. And I think that's really what, what this movie is about. It's all those things. It's so much more complicated than a Saturday matinee.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, Vito, everything you said is so good. I'm going to uh, take back everything I said.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's a high compliment thank you
1: a huge diss
2: and a high compliment in an episode I really appreciate it that's Vito's life everybody uh, um, so I guess let, let, wrapping it all up I, I would say uh, we ask the same three questions we always ask is this a dad's movie would we show this to our kids and when what
0: do you want to ask Jesse
2: oh yeah sorry <laughs> I saw. I saw, I saw oh, Mike yeah. pointing and I was like oh did you want to have something to say
1: yeah this this is a dad movie this man there's nothing more dad than john wayne there's nothing more dad than westerns and this is something that i've found out about myself there's nothing more dad than wanting to talk about important like changes in history and showing them to your kids like oh look that that's when that thing happened and changed into something else for whatever reason that historical nerdness is also very dad for those three reasons i say this is totally a dad movie. And then the way it's structured with the two uh, with Jimmy Stewart and John Wing um, kind of ideologically pitted against one another. Two wonderful actors. Uh, I, yeah, I can't wait to show this to my kids. I, While I was watching it, I my kids were not awake at the time. And I was just like, you know, we should just started this movie a few hours earlier. The kids should be watching this movie. There's no reason not to. I, I regret not showing this to my kids yet at this point. So, I, I would say that you know my two year old is probably not ready to handle the movie and would probably get bored, but I look forward to actually showing it to them, having them understand it by the time they're like, you know, eight. What do you think, Mike?
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's a dad movie. I, I think for all the same reasons that Jesse that Jesse said, and I, I'd also add one of the things that that I really love about movies like this is the way it it presents a, a somewhat complicated moral conundrum um, in in a pretty clear way that helps to ex, helps me to explain things to my kids um, give sort of uh, uh, you know image lessons and it, it, and this definitely does it. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way like this is definitely you know I have to fast forward through the whipping scene um, that might be a little much but other than that I mean like this is a great movie that I wouldn't mind my kids seeing sometime soon and, and really getting a handle on by the time they're eight, nine, ten for sure.
2: What about you, Vito? Uh, I'm actually going to zig. Uh, I'm going to zig and zag here <laughs> um, for the, for I think the first time in all of our episodes that we've recorded, both that have been released and not um, I'm going to say, I did watch this with my daughter. Uh, she was incredibly bored. Um, she did not like it. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, Even true. during the whipping scenes, she did watch them. I felt okay with that, though, because I remember being a kid at a pretty early age seeing some of these things and just not kind of putting it together, what was happening, because the whipping is out of frame. It's clear what's happening. I'm, but... I'm more concerned about, like, his face. Like, my kids would get, get freaked out by his face. That, like, that's, he's got a manic fair. face. He's that's crazy. Fair. But also, remember, my my daughter has me for a follow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm, a, oh, I'm an incredibly on. expressive person with a lot of emotions. Uh, I, I, I'm I just am a really expressive person. And so, but when I was watching it and I saw how bored she was, I actually realized that this is the first movie that we have really covered that we all voted was a dad movie where I am not going to show this to her until she's older. And by older, Hmm. I mean like 12 because I want to show her the movies that I loved, uh, that were of the Western, you know, the Western is so much is so near and dear to my heart and to how I grew up and who I, who I am in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. It's something I know inside and out, and I want her to love that as much as I do before I show her something that upends it, before I show her something that sort of guts it from the inside out and drags it out, for everyone to see the inner workings of, to that deeply questions the meaning and existence of the genre and the people that are in it. You know, by the time she's 12, I hope that she's seen seven, 10 John Wayne movies, including like a bunch of ones that I didn't even name. But I remember watching because I I bought the the VHS at a library sale for a buck, (laughs) like movies that have been completely forgotten that I remember just watching. And they're just such a pure encapsulation of Western. And I want that love first before I show her this. This is such a uh, it's just such a raw examination of it. And, and I don't want that to be her first her first brush. I want the love there first and then this, which is I think how Ford structured his career and i I, I like that. so I, I am gonna say it's a dad movie. i I'm just gonna go a little bit older and saying that I already did watch it with my daughter I she I don't think that I could say she watched it
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but uh, I can't wait to show it to her but later. you know yeah, you
0: you you you've changed my mind, man. You're right. This is a, discru- a deconstruction of something. They got they got to see the things before it. Jesse. Yeah.
1: You know, I said 8 because I was 8 uh, when I first watched this movie, but like you were saying, like I didn't just watch this in a vacuum. It's not like I'd never seen a western before. I grown up. Like as for as long as I can remember seeing John Wayne on the screen, so um, when I say eight, I I say it with the assumption that I've already shown a bunch of other Westerns because you're absolutely right about that. This is a deconstruction of that. And in in order to understand the deconstruction, you need to understand the Western to begin with. Um, so yeah, I agree with you there. Maybe just not on the timing. At least I hope to have shown my kids more John Wayne movies. In fact, um, I was so inspired by this movie that we're going to start watching John Wayne movies together because I had a break... Yeah. I had a breakthrough with my kids. I realized my oldest daughter, she just hates animated movies. Wow. Huh. And it's so strange. I don't know why they freak her out so much. Maybe there's just too much going on. But if you just put on a normal movie that mom and dad are interested in, then she wants to watch it. Or she'll at least stop what she's doing to look over and then come sit on the couch. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that actually, that you know, I, I just want to share an experience that I, I did have with your daughter. You, you were busy working. You, you and your family came to visit us. Mm-hmm. And while you were working, there was just a lull in the afternoon. Like the kids were kind of tired, but they weren't crying. And they were just kind of like laying around or coloring or doing whatever. And I said, hey, let's just watch Footloose. That'll be fun. And Liz had never seen Footloose. And she goes, all right, let's watch Footloose. My wife hadn't either. And so we just turned on Footloose. And it's the music. It's so galvanizing. And I remember all the kids kind of like coming in. During when there was music, you know, like the, the, the tractor scene where they're running yeah. the tractors at each other and there's music going or like just the opening credits where it's playing Footloose and it shows all the the dancing feet and like the sneakers and the slippers or whatever. And, and I remember your, your daughter was just so entranced when it was a movie. And then when it got like kind of intense or there was a disagreement, you know, she would leave. But then, when it was just talking or dancing or something, she would come back in. <laughs> so that that's that's cool. I had an experience that that rhymed with that. that that's awesome, man! I'm so happy that yeah. you like made a breakthrough.
1: Oh, I know. I'm so happy. Like we can watch movies together, and I'm also happy that <laughs> they don't have to be animated movies. This is even better than I could have hoped.
0: You know, I, I'm going to give it a shot too. We're we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. We finally watched Frozen. Oh, it took it took four years. Yeah, we finally did it. They
2: liked it. The thing, the thing about crazy about Frozen is my daughter watched it exactly one time. Yeah. And every time when we're scrolling through Disney Plus to watch another movie that I can just sit and veg out on the couch while she watches with me, that yeah. means something to me. We scroll past Frozen and she goes, oh, the sister movie. Yeah. <laughs> she saw it one time. One time, <laughs> like a year ago. And she still wants to. I don't know what it is about Frozen
1: that just entrances children. But it, 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 it's very upsetting to me. It's a very intense sister relationship. One almost kills the other. One sacrifices herself for the other.
0: They go from being like extremely good friends to being not even talking.
2: Like maybe, maybe that's
0: it. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's that's like, it. I don't know. Like well, look, look,
2: we'll we'll explore this in the future. Yeah. Um, Will uh, we? Well, we'll explore the relationship of children to, to movies because uh, that's what we do.
1: Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> true. There we go. There we go. I can do that. <laughs> not Frozen. Please, <laughs> never, God, <no>. ever
0: Frozen.
2: <laughs> We've got to just maybe. Let it go.
0: Oh. <laughs>
2: uh, you win. You win. It, it, I think a new category is dad joke per episode. You win the dad joke. this yes. Episode. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That was. I, I, and, and as with every time a dad joke is made, the award is given incredibly begrudgingly. <laughs> but anyway, take I think. It. Yeah, take it. <laughs> uh, I think that wraps it up from all of us here. In Not your father's movies. Anything else to add? I got nothing. I'm out. Beautiful. Well, from all of us here uh, in our second week of Listener Request Month, thank you again, Madeline, for suggesting this. Uh, we're very happy you did. I don't know when we would have done it otherwise. And what it has done is it's really brought the shows that we're doing into a different light. And I, we're going to be referencing this episode a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, thank you so much for your attentive listenership. And uh, please write in with more suggestions. Anyone that's listening to this, listen, we hear you. We read the emails. We want to know what you think and what you want to hear. So tell us, um, because we might even do a whole ass episode on it. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, all of us here, Not Your Father's Movies, I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Jesse. Good night.